Pastor Phil, what's going on? How you doing? Hey, yeah. beautiful Southern California is what's Absolutely. going on, brother. Absolutely. No, I mean, today's pretty simple. I want to I wanna gather um, your thoughts on, on what God is doing here in San Clemente through mm-hmm. the ministry called The Right Path. So just tell us about yourself. Well, uh, I'm born and raised in South Boston, Massachusetts. Came out here when I was 12. Uh, <clears throat> come from a very highly dysfunctional home, uh, father issues my whole life, anger, unforgiveness, uh, all those things that come with for having a, a father who, his father uh, hurt him and he never dealt with it so he, he acted out on us. To move forward I started, I was an angry person, uh, a lot of unforgiveness, a lot of bitterness, a lot of resentment wedged in my heart those roots were strong and they grew strong as I nurtured them. Uh, I was born and raised Roman Catholic, so I I knew the Trinity, I knew Jesus Christ, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, I had my father's face on the Holy Spirit my whole life until uh, I woke up later in life. In other words, I seen Father God as my father until I took that face off and seen the real true father. That's when I started having a relationship with the Father. Uh, the Holy Spirit I read and never knew about, uh, the Holy Ghost, as the Catholics would refer him to. Uh, I didn't know too much about him, but I did know Jesus Christ. And when I was a child, I had a relationship with Jesus as only a child could have, which really, that portion of my life saved my life, to have that relationship, because I went back to that same relationship that I had. So uh, I took drugs, mainly alcohol, uh, had an addiction to uh, sexual addiction, a bad, you know, I uh, comforted myself through sex. Uh, I lusted after women, especially when I had anxiety, didn't know what to do with them, so I ran to my dependency, you know, sure. my habit. Sure. Uh, that became an addiction, became a lifestyle. And it's a lifestyle that uh, is full of shame, so the shame withdrew. That's what happens with shame, I realized later. So I had to walk in the shadows of the shame of my addiction. Even when I became a born-again Christian, I was still <clears throat> uh, acting out uh, sexually, uh, mainly through masturbation, sure. you know, to make myself uh, feel comforted. And that became, you know, a lifestyle, but I felt like a hypocrite, which I was. But I didn't think that God loved me, so I performed. I was a performer because I had to survive my childhood, so I learned how to perform. <clears throat> that performance, and I share this with people, especially people in my groups and people I facilitate and people I mentor and counsel, uh, is that the performer <clears throat> is was, was my hardest addiction to break. You're talking about perfectionism, drivenness. Yeah, yeah, just to, yeah, uh, to perform, to be loved, to be accepted. Mm-hmm. I would pretend I would be somebody else. I would bury my true exactly. self, the true self that was full of shame right. and uh, never was nurtured. My, my mother was a textbook codependent, God bless her. She had a father and mother that were dysfunctional. Uh, they all come from Italy. I'm Italian, so uh, I was second generation. So none of them even speak spoke English. My mom and dad did, but my, you know, Grandma and grandpa's didn't. And I didn't know my grandfather on my dad's side because 
he ran off with another woman. So the sexual addiction and alcoholism runs rapid through my family of origin. Sure. And so, of course... Generational, yes. exactly. How little did I know as a child, you know, I uh, started surviving and started burying my true self because I didn't like who I was because uh, I never felt accepted or nurtured or loved. So right. there must have been something wrong with me. So <clears throat> anyways, I'll be kind of quick here because I want to talk about the ministry. So I thought I was a mistake, and my father used to always say I was a mistake. I should have been born a girl because I was right brain a lot. Mm-hmm. I was a very sensitive kid. And my number one gift that God has given me got me in the most trouble and I should have known that but I didn't have the uh, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit yes. to show me and lead me that way so I was basically going through life uh, right a passage if you will lost and on my own self-realization trying to figure things out through my own intellect which believe me will get you in trouble you know you can be so close but if you're just a little far away it's you have to be 100 percent and the holy spirit is always 100 percent so anyways i uh I, I continued performing and i became a performer and so the real me never got to have a voice it was in prison in prison with not with my father's accusations and his abuse, but through my own acting out of my own shame. So I only had myself to blame for the prison I was in. Sure. Especially the sexual addiction, the hypocrisy, and allowing the performer to continue uh, fooling me that uh, I was that performer. You know, uh, I learned out later that our nature by nature. Uh, is an actor. We act. We all act uh, until we can be broken of that act and get down on our knees and, and repent right. and allow Jesus Christ into our lives. So I'll, I'll take it off with the hypocrisy. Uh, God took away. I, I was broken, and uh, my first brokenness was 1981. Okay. That's when I was being handcuffed uh, by the police in front of my two daughters, 15 and 12. Wow. And I turned. Uh, and I turned over uh, to them. This is the first time ever. I was uh, 37 years old at the time. Uh, <clears throat> my wife uh, was uh, pregnant with my son, 1981. And uh, I looked at my two daughters and I seen the fear in their eyes like I've never seen before, okay. except for I felt that fear. Yes. Because I had the same fear for, towards my dad. And I remember growing up, I, I, I made vows after vow after vow that I would never, ever be like my father. Sure. And here I am, exactly like him. Yes. Exactly, getting thrown in jail again. In fact, when I was born, he was in jail. I didn't see him until I was two years old. So I was exactly like him, and I felt their pain for the first time. The only pain that I could ever feel was my own at that particular point in time, and I acted out of my pain. So I had no compassion or empathy for anyone else. So I justified everything I did, and I couldn't feel anyone else's pain until that moment. After that moment, I was broken right there. I seen the face of Jesus looking at me, and, and he loved me. I was amazing. So I got thrown in jail, and uh, I got sober. Six months later, God kept, and during those six months, uh, I kept listening to the radio programs, and Jesus was on, Jesus was on. Uh, I'll never forget, Jimmy Swaggart had a little TV uh, radio program, 15 minutes, called a camp meeting. And uh, he started singing. I thought it was Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, but he's his first cousin, so that's why. Uh, And I said, well, who is this guy? And he just touched my heart. 
Uh, and then I was watching TBN just before I got saved, and a, a preacher by the name of uh, Laverne Tripp was was sharing his testimony, and he was at a desk ready to blow his brains out, and the phone rang, and I'm watching this by myself. And the guy says, uh, I haven't seen in years, 15 years, I think he said. No, he calls up right at that moment before he's ready to blow his brains out. He says, how are you doing? I got great news for you. I'm a born-again believer. And he starts talking to Laverne Tripp. And Laverne Tripp gave his life to him. And while he was talking and him, I gave my life to Jesus. Uh, it was the greatest, uh, was the greatest uh, choice ever made in my life. But then the real war began. Yes. Uh, because I still were performing. So I brought my performer into my Christianity. And so I, I, I was in ministry with Calvary Chapel for 10 years okay. teaching. With Chuck Smith? Or? Uh, no, I was, uh, it, Cal was with, Cal it was Oceanside. Okay. Uh, it was Ralph Wood. He was a senior pastor. Mm -hmm. But I did go to Chuck Smith's church, uh, the, big, uh, the big church on Sunflower, Costa Mesa. I did go there, and uh, but my church was uh, ended up being the one with Brian Boldison and Vista, California. Yes. And so, anyways, uh, for 10 years, I was in ministry. I was praising people coming to the Lord. I mean, this was just like great, but I was still performing, and I was still acting out sexually. Sure. Uh, my hidden life, you know, my secret sins. Uh, and uh, I was in torment, but I always had a happy face because I could do it. Because I've been doing it my whole life, performing. That's right. That's right. So in 1991, uh, my second wife left me. I messed up the first marriage because of drinking and gambling and everything. Uh, my second wife left me for whatever reasons and cheated on me and all that. So all of my abandonment and rejection issues came up to the top. I couldn't hide them and bury them anymore. Right. So I uh, found myself in a fetal position asking for my mom to hold me. And so I heard a voice at that particular point in time. I didn't want to live at that time, but I heard this voice, and it was God. I knew it was Jesus. He says, oh, look at you, he says, Phil. You finally found out what you need. And I says, what's that? He says, you need to be nurtured. Yes. He says, you're trying to have alcohol, sex, and everything else, and even performance, to nurture you. I said, wow, you're right. And I just like crying and bawling, and he says, now you're going to follow me. And he says, I don't know how to follow you. I thought I was, I don't. He says, I'll teach you. So he taught me how to follow him. Basically, for a year and a half, I went. Uh, he told me I had to quit all my ministry, quit going to church, because that was feeding my addiction of performance. I had to get that out of me. And to grieve, I never had a mother, never had a father, to grieve that and, and continue grieving my, my false self because it became me. I had to die to myself, basically. That's why I have this little thing here. Remind me of Luke 9.23. Mm -hmm. uh, Luke 9.23. Yeah. Uh, if anyone comes after me, you have to deny self. Yes. Uh, pick up your cross daily. Because if you want to save your life, you lose it. And that's yes. what I was doing. I was a performance trying to save my life. But if you want to lose your life, for my sake, you'll gain it. And then it goes on to say, what is it if you gain the whole world? Which I was, you know, I was driving the beam, I was living at the lose beach. And lose your soul, you know what I mean? Uh, but now these words became revelation. They became real. Uh, I was starting to become real with God and myself now. I had to find my true self, which is in the nature of Jesus Christ. So when that, when that, when, when that started happening, I started being transparent, started to be vulnerable. Started, yes. I joined groups so I could be that. I got counseling, good godly counseling. Uh, and it was amazing the, the pressure and the relief I got to not have to perform. And, and, and not 
uh, trying to earn my way to God's heart. Uh, I finally started realizing what grace was because the performer doesn't know anything about grace and only knows truth. And yes. I live in truth, and, the, and truth condemned me yes. my whole truth, life. But no grace. But no grace. So I had to have yes. the mixture of God's, of Jesus Christ's character, truth yes. and grace. Uh, and uh, when I finally realized that, I didn't need the performer anymore because I knew God loved me unconditionally. But it was hard for me still to believe it for a long time. Uh, then he started talking to me after I got out of my wilderness. I called my that my wilderness place. A year and a half, I was into the wilderness, dying to myself. Right. Uh, I believe that Paul had to go through that for four years, uh, and I believe that Abraham had to go through that uh, uh, a period of time of dying to self. Yes. And so he can do the, the work through me. Uh, I was an imitator. He wanted impartation, and to do that, I had to die to myself and deny myself daily. That's where Romans 12, 1, 2, especially uh, when he says, you know, I have to have a, a renewing, a daily renewing of your mind to know who you are. You're a child of God. You're not your own. This world is not your own. It took me a long time to get that. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, I still struggled with uh, sexual impurity thoughts that mm -hmm. just kept haunting me, you know, and sure. wanting to draw me to itself. Uh, I seen a movie... <clears throat> I seen a movie, Ryan, the other day called uh, A Heart After Man, uh, and it just blew me away. Uh, the Heart of Man movie? The Heart of Man, Heart of Man movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I and, love and, that. And, and, uh, blew, and... Yeah, yeah, and it blew me away yes. because uh, that was me. I was in that cave, banging my head in the right. whole nine yards. And what it, what it did for me uh, is when, and I've seen, I've read books and, and I teach all this stuff, but this movie, I just seen it recently. It just blew yes. me away. And I told my I wife, I, I actually, I ordered the movie and I'm yes. going to give it to the leader of Men of War that we do. I'll have to share that in a minute I, I, to I say, man, we need to show this movie. Because when, yes. the, when, when the camera zoomed back and it showed the rest of the cave, you've seen all these people just enslaved to say... Bondage. In bondage, thank you. Yes. Total bondage to sex, you know. Yes. Uh, God. Uh, I, I mean, interviewed uh, Justin Torrance, the lead actor in that. Oh, you did? Yes. Oh, my yes. gosh. I want to I get him to come to Heritage. We'll, well, we'll do a, It's a three-day, I you, think, two- or three-day thing where he comes out and speaks on sexual purity, and whew. it's phenomenal. That movie is the best movie I've seen. If you anyone the has prodigal son. any type, yeah, The Prodigal Son, has The Love of the Father, The Heart of the Father. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Uh, That's where Reckless right Love, now. Reckless Love came out of that movie. Reckless Love, exactly. The song. Yep, exactly. That's right. I love how they, they're, they're playing music together yeah, and yeah. the son just, hold on, Dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to yeah, see something. Yeah. And it just entices him. It, it just reminded me, it's only for people who sin. <laughs> that well, movie is only for people who, who struggle with sin. Yeah, especially with sexual sin. You know, Absolutely. Which is probably it's, one it's of the everybody. worst. Yeah, because, you, because you're sinning against your own body. But anyway, if you, if you get to see him again, just say this guy, Phil at Heritage, seen that movie, and he wants oh, to thank you for, he was great. He was great in it, by the way. He, yes. He really, he was awesome. Never heard of him before, but man, and then, he could have won the Academy Award as far as yes. I'm concerned. And then the guy, Trailer Lavorne, he's the guy that a sexual addiction, just one marriage after another, he got a divorce and they got remarried. Right, right, right. I right. have, um, I 
and then you're going to move into the What te- even oh, yeah. a, even a gal, anyways. Uh, the gal that Jackie Hill Perry too. I'm going to reach out to her. She was uh, she was awesome because uh, something that she said in there just uh, broke my heart because I'm a father to a lot of the, the men and, and the young men and women woman that I counsel that I mentor. They see me as a father image, you know, the Absolutely. Holy Spirit type of father image, you know, not like their godly father. Uh, And uh, she said that she uh, started uh, being a lesbian because she felt the heart of a woman. She felt safer with that heart than with a man. And so you can see, you know, a lot of people condemn lesbians, you know, and as you can see her heart, she just was a wounded child, wounded by men. And, uh, you know, so... uh, if you get the chance to see the movie, I recommend it. Anyways, uh, what ended up happening is that God gave me a vision in 19, probably after I got out of my wilderness, uh, grieving my loss of myself and everything else, getting to the end of myself, I had to learn how to be still. And which for, for a performer, especially one who has ADHD as I have, being still is not the easy thing to do. I mean, it's the hardest thing to do, mm-hmm. to have that solitude, that contemplation type spirituality, just to be in the presence of God and have that listening prayer where you listen and you're still and you listen. And to this day, I still have to practice it, but it's something that I'm, I'm learning. Uh, and so in 1995, I went to this church that was really small that I was told that it would be my type of church, a recovery church. Uh, a church full of faith in the word. I mean, it was awesome. The guy by the name of Pastor Jim, yeah, house to house. Oh, house to house to house, okay. Yeah, uh, his name is Pastor Jim Glenn, and uh, which became one of my best friends and my mentor uh, as far as shepherding. Uh, uh, so, I, the, the, the church I was going to wouldn't, uh, before I went to house to house, I'll back up just a little bit, this is just a little bit, uh, wouldn't uh, allow me to start a ministry on restoration uh, in the church. So I didn't get discouraged. <laughs> and just a little after that, uh, through God's intervention to another Christian lady, actually, who heard me and said, you have to see Jim Glenn. You have to go to house to house. So I did. Uh and I've been there ever since. Now, this is 1995. I've been house to house now for, what, 25 years. It's called Heritage Christian Fellowship. Oh, house to house turned into heritage. Yes, it did. Nice. And so uh, Pastor Jim Glenn left the church because he got a calling to start a discipleship house plus uh, 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 a rehab place where uh, young men coming out of jail uh, can go get disciples. We have another episode about that. I, I interview, uh, I'm going to interview Jim about uh, Hope Restoration Ministries in La Tienda. Yeah, 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 exactly, uh, exactly. Yes. It's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. It's and phenomenal, it, yeah. It is. I know his yeah. heart, and he's a real deal. Anyways, uh, God connected me with the right person. Uh, he, I was tested, though, to see if I was going to quit, uh, but I didn't. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, I was a coward most of my life. Right. I guess uh, now since I've got to the end of myself, I finally find out who I truly am, and I call it true grit. Uh, now I have the same grit as the Apostle Paul, I feel, and Absolutely. Jesus Christ, Absolutely. Uh, all the apostles. 
uh, I don't quit and I don't give up unless God tells me to do so. I don't do anything without 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 his say so. Just like Jesus says uh, to uh, his mother, I guess it was, and certain people when he was walking there, I don't, I don't do anything without the Father's permission. You know, I'm here to do the Father's work, Absolutely. and that's that's me. Uh, the Father's work is uh, is eternal. It's not temporal stuff down here. Yes. So there's there's no retirement, by the way, in God's kingdom. I'm I'll be 76 in a few weeks, and wow. uh, there's no retirement. So uh, in fact, I'm I'm just starting my ministries. <laughs> you know, the way well, I look at it. So can we use that as a segue? Uh, what's your main ministry called? My main ministry, I guess, I you know, I I, I guess it would be called the Right Path Ministry. The Right Path, and that's yeah. a, that's what I want to talk about. What's what's the purpose of the Right Path Ministry? The purpose of the Right Path Ministry is for uh, its maturity. It's it's, it's it's a ministry where people can go uh, in, and it's uh, and it's an open end ministry where anyone can join at any particular point in time. They can come and they can go. It's for recovery. People who are, are, are dealing with maybe depression, uh, any kind of addiction, okay. uh, hopelessness, uh, you know, the world's just beat them up and stuff like that. And someone who's lost and who just doesn't have an identity. Uh, so my, I, I project it as uh, maturity. Uh, that would be emotional, relational, personal, and spiritual maturity. How to grow up. Absolutely. And what if you do you have a mission and vision for Right Path? Well, my mission for Right Path isn't all that 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 big because uh, actually it is a mission that uh, people multiply and they tell their friends about it. And uh, I I do a lot of writing. I learned I could write in 1991. And I've been doing writing ever since. And I give, uh, I do teachings at the Right Path Ministry. I teach, uh, like you know, certain if it's either on relationships, or on spirituality, on to say sanctification, which is huge sanctification. Without that, you never get to the end of yourself, uh, and so on. You know, transformation, what it looks like. Uh, and then they have that paper, and they have the uh, the permission or the right to give it to anyone that they think that needs it. And so they become, you know, the right path ministry outside of the ministry. That multiplies. It may not multiply as uh, as a group, but it multiplies as giving people information that's coming straight out of the ministry. Well, to other ministries, and I have gotten so many letters and stuff saying, you know, I don't know you, but I know this person went to the Dry Pat Ministry, uh, and they gave me this thing on boundaries or this thing on sanctification, which I never knew what it was about, and stuff like that, you know, uh, or getting to the end of yourself, or you know, uh, it's amazing stuff. Plus, I have a blog. Sure. The Right Path Ministry blog. What are some goals that you have at, at, at uh, the Right Path Ministry? Uh, you know, my goals have always been the same. That's it. Just uh, to, Well, one goal is to stay there until God tells me to go away, and I've been doing it for 21 years. Okay. And, uh, and, and the goal is, is just to allow God to work in these people's hearts who come there to pass it on to people that they know. What about uh, structure of the program 
uh, and you have a curriculum. Like, can you walk us through? Because they meet every Monday night. Every Monday night. From six to eight. From seven to uh, seven to nine. Seven to nine every Monday. Yes. And then so so what can we expect? Like, and I know we can't divulge too much because it's it's a, oh, uh, it's a confidential yeah, yeah. space. But, yeah, yeah. but as far as structure, you come yeah. in. What, what's the what's the goal? Well, we have name tags, and we have I I I I have waters that they can have to drink, and I have sure. little goodies that they can eat. You know, uh, make it real comfortable. It's free, no charge. Uh, all you have to do is show up. Uh, I give name tags, like I said, so we all have a name tag. And then I give, uh, I put the stack of papers up that I'm going to be teaching on. And they all take the paper. Uh, and just before the meeting, you know, uh, I share with them what my uh, intentions are in teaching this uh, lesson today. Uh, and if it's a three-part lesson, I'll say that we're going to do it this, you know, for three weeks we're going to be on the same subject. Uh, and then I pray, you know. And then after prayer, I, I read the outline, and then we talk about the outline. We go inward, you know, and say, what does this look like in your life? How does this affect you? Where in these issues here that we talk about, whatever they may be, depression, whatever, do you need help in, you know? Uh, not looking at other people like saying, some will say, yeah, my husband needs to see this. No, you need to check out what you know. Uh, it's, that, it's that road, it's basically, it's the road less travel that I try to implement in the right path ministry. In other words, it's internalizing, going inward, and finding out the areas of your life, like in Psalm 139, 23, 24, David had uh, the Holy Spirit, he had God search him, search his heart, search his concerns, search his offenses, and so on, you know. Uh, so we can finally get the sin out into the open through confession, repentance, and forgiveness. Right. Absolutely. So what are the core, what are the fundamentals of the Red Path Ministry to make it work? To make it work, uh, you know, they, they, they have to understand that uh, they're there because they need help, and that's what really makes it work. Uh, they need to be in a broken place. Uh, so that's really, I don't know if that's a fundamental, but if, if that's not what they're there for, then they're in the wrong place. You sure, know? So, some, so they're by their own volition. Yeah, because they're broken. Yes. And, uh, and they get to share. Uh, and no one gets to fix anyone, too, by the no, way. Yeah. You know, so I have, I have so no rules. I have strict structural rules. Uh, confidentiality is the highest one, quite obviously. Uh, but the structure and rules is uh, no cross-talking. You know, at the end, everyone we talk, uh, I'll look at the clock and say, we got like 40 minutes. Uh, then I'll say, you have any questions? If they have any questions, I'll answer the questions because sometimes it's pretty deep for some people who really never did soul search and understand who God really is. And uh, uh, they'll say, yes, I, they, you know, this was just what I needed and I'm going to start really working on this. And uh, so I tell these people, and that's really awesome, uh, next week, write down that journal, always journal, uh, and if there's some questions that come up during that week, we can have a period of time where we can just have those answered, those so questions. it's not just Mondays. It's, you guys are thinking about each other throughout the week. Right, exactly, absolutely. It's a true community. Yeah, like I texted a couple of them today, say, how are you doing, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. So we're not, we know that we're not alone. Absolutely.
Now, can you, can you put your, do you have any data on, on the success of Right Path? Like how many people have oh reached sobriety? Oh my gosh, you know. Just, just roughly, yeah. how, many, how successful yeah. is this model? Oh my gosh, it's, I, you know, it's all God's work and he, yes. he does miracles, but yes. how successful, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It still blows me away when people say, you saved my life, you saved my marriage. Uh, you know, you saved my relationship. You saved me from pushing my children away because now I understand what codependency is. Uh, you know, I know what boundaries are. Could, could you define codependency for us? Yeah, codependency basically is uh, being enmeshed, enmeshed with a relationship where their problem becomes your problem and you try to rescue them and fix them yes. so they're not accountable for the choices they make so they have no consequences. Yes, so it's like... It's like if my spouse, if I, if I was the alcoholic, she would be addicted to codependency if she uh, is addicted to... How would that be? My, my addiction rescuing would be, you. Yes. Yes, my addiction would be the alcoholism. Her addiction would be rescuing me. Exactly. Totally. Giving you no consequences yes. for your behavior. And usually codependent people, I think their core, uh, really quick, their, their core problem is is that they have no self-identity, no self-worth, and they're afraid that if they lose that person, that uh, they're gonna, their, their life is ended. Mm -hmm. So they'll do anything to try to rescue that person uh, without really realizing and understanding that they're hurting and, and, and enabling right. that person to continue uh, being you know, abusive with alcohol, maybe verbally abusive or emotional or physical abusive. Because you know? now that codependent person is now the savior instead of the Lord. Yeah, what they what they need to understand is that uh, if they want to, it's called tough love. If you want to love someone, you tell them the truth, no matter how much it will hurt you or the consequences with yes. you. See, it's not about you. Yes. It's about helping the person. I am you can't help got the person. That tattoo. It's not yeah. about me. Yeah, right it's here. not about <laughs> me exactly. So okay, now let's talk about follow up ministry. How important? What's your role with follow up with people that that are in the, the program? for lack of a better word. Um, what's the importance of follow through Tuesday through Sunday, um, constant contact? How important is that? In it's, really, it's really important. I share with people to at least contact with one person. Uh, uh, and then when we meet on, on, Monday, on Monday evenings, I ask the group, not to shame them or anything, just say, have you contacted anyone this week? You know, uh, Because it's a habit you have to get into. See, one of the worst habits a human being have, especially men, they isolate. They can isolate their feelings. They can be in a group of 20, 30, 40, 50 people and still isolate their feelings. Uh, or just isolate physically. You know, because it's become a habit. So I'm trying to help them break bad habits and create good, better habits. And that is being connected. Yes. I read that on your website is that uh, this this ministry really came out of a response to people's tendency to be isolated. Right. So creating an environment where they can be known. Right, exactly. Loved. Exactly. Being transparent, uh, being vulnerable, yes. uh, being known, like you said. Uh, without that, you can go through a whole lifetime. Right. 
without being known. And uh, I realize, and this is my opinion, that loneliness is the worst pain known to mankind. Loneliness. Loneliness. Yes. yes. Adam. Yeah, exactly. Do you have any? Um, do you have any heroes that you look to, like that inspire your ministry? Yeah, I do. One was uh, a guy, but when I first uh, started going into recovery myself. Uh, he was my facilitator. Okay. He was two facilitators, a woman and a guy, but he was right brand like me and all Is that. Is this like he a sponsor? This... Is this like a sponsor in recovery? Well, yeah, he was a facilitator. Okay. He helped facilitate the group. And uh, he showed me uh, he had compassion, okay? Yes. He had compassion. And uh, he showed me what a man really looks like because I never I thought a man's supposed to be macho and all this kind of yeah. and not expose their weaknesses and stuff. And it was an amazing journey with him. It was an amazing journey. Yes. Uh, the first time I cried uh, since I was about four years old or something like that. I don't wouldn't allow myself to cry because men aren't supposed to cry. That's right. Uh, is after one of the meetings we had, it's Jack Reed. He uh, he was outside. I was talking to him. And I asked him, I had the nerve finally to ask him if I could put my arms around him because my father said that uh, men don't hug other men and so on. So he, he gave me permission. I asked him and he gave it to me. Then I got my arms around him for the first time I'm holding a man. A man it's like being nurtured him, you know, and I trusted this guy, Jack Reed. And then I asked him the big question, can you give me permission to cry? And he says, please do. And I said, I cried so loud that the people coming out of the group, yes. there's about 30 people, that was one of them, what's wrong with him? And my, my buddy Jack said, nothing, he's okay. Here's it's the first time. Yeah. I mean, I've been crying ever since. Nice. But he was my first mentor. My second mentor was Pastor yes. Jim Glenn. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, so I had two mentors in my life. We're going to learn more about Jim Glenn uh, later on. He's already, I've already put his new uh, thrift shop, uh, Restoration Thrift. They just opened up two weeks ago. Yeah, I did. It opened up. I didn't know it opened up. Yes, I have to call him That's up. where he was that last Sunday. Yeah. Um, you ever read anything by Neil Anderson? Uh, when I first got into recovery uh, back in the uh, 80s, uh, he was prominent in uh, in spiritual warfare and the fact I have is tape and I laugh every time I, I, I watch it once in a while I'll watch once a year or so I'll put it on and it was in the 80s and he's got these tweeds and all that yes. I mean you know the yes. whole get up but uh, the bondage breaker has been one of uh, one of the uh the prelude the key that opened up the door to do it the spiritual warfare yes. for me yeah I love the bond- chapter 13, the steps to freedom in Christ. You know, the, the, the preset, the pre-made prayer. So, in my in my study of all these different faith-based recovery programs, everybody's sort of linked to, to uh, freedom in Christ ministries in some way, shape, or form. Whether you inspired him, Dan Allender. The, the, yeah, Dan Allender. Yes, uh, John Eldridge. And, and wasn't he in uh, the heart of yes. man? Yes. Okay. Well, he was. Man, what a testimony is beautiful. Yes. My heart was just because I know kind of know these guys. I never met them. Yes. Dan Alder wrote a book called uh, Healing the Wounded Heart. Yeah, I got that one too. It's all about sexual abuse. It's all, I mean, you know that's, this. that's a huge one. Yeah. So, well, thank you for telling us about Right Path Ministry. Any, anything you want to put out there for those who might be listening? Yeah, in, just, in local you know, area? just be faithful. Be faithful and loyal. Uh, don't listen to lies. Never quit. If uh, if you're being tested, uh, get on your knees, start praying, and, and get with people who uh, you trust, that love the Lord, and uh, 
that knows how to fight the good fight uh, and teach you how to fight. And if you need to get some kind of mentor, get the mentor. Don't be uh, too proud. Get someone to mentor you. Uh, like I had Jim Glenn mentored me into Shepherd. Who, you know, uh, I was going to become a secular counselor. I had about one year of, uh, of school, and then I was going to be an intern, and that's when God got a hold of me. Jesus did in 1991. said, I want you to become a biblical counselor because the church is really hurting. And I always thought, you know, well, I don't think the church is hurting that much. I got, and I was a street preacher, by the way, which we didn't talk about. That's another chapter, and I loved it. Don't give me. And I fought God. I don't want to be in a church. It's so, so spiritual, and who, they don't need anybody. They have Christ. Uh, but since I've been counseling the church for 16 years now, uh, I see that they're probably even more sicker because spiritual pride is even worse than human pride. So uh, I've gotten a real test in that. So uh, it's, it's been an amazing journey. And, and just to share what I feel that my number one gifting is that comes out of the gifting of uh, counseling and mentoring, facilitating groups and so on, which I would have never at the beginning, at the outset, I, I spoke about this, but I'm going to tell you what it was. And this is the one thing that Satan tried to squash and tried to push down in me is compassion. I had compassion when I was a kid and my father couldn't understand it. Mm. Why are you crying? Because I feel people's pain, Daddy. Yes. Uh, and only you, you must be gay. Only gays, you know. And He called yeah. me other names that I won't use. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I'll keep it clean here. But it really, really... Uh, did a number to me for many decades that I couldn't have compassion. I had to bury that. And when I started coming alive and God started uh, waking up that little boy in me, uh, the one who has the faith, that's my main source of all my ministry is compassion. And when I when I read the word and I see that Jesus had compassion for him, I just talk about, he's giving me that same compassion. So, you know, it may not be the gifts that you think that that's, that are leading your ministry that may be something deeper, like maybe like compassion. So I just want to share that with you. And never allow a lie. Take into captivity, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, um, 1 through 5. Take into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Let him define your ministry. Let him define you. Let him define everything. And seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. All, if you do, everything will be given to you. In other words, you'll have peace. You'll have joy. Not what the world has to bring, but the stuff from the inside. You'll have contentment, not happiness. So I'm just uh, thankful for Ryan here, uh, the brother in the Lord that uh, I respect so much. I just uh, got to know him a little bit. He stumbled into the right path, and uh, we got to meet. Uh, but he's amazing, and uh, he's a child of God, and uh, he's got a sword in one hand, and he's got a shield in the other. It may be invisible to a lot of people, but I see it, and uh, there's no stop in him and his ministry as long as he follows Jesus Christ, and you'll be the same way as long as you feel, as long as you follow Jesus Christ. You'll be on the right path, the road less traveled, the road that very, very little people travel, as the Bible will say, this is the road, the road that leads to everlasting life, and very few enter into it. So God bless, and uh, I hope you learned something from this. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, brother. That's so good. That is so good.